Welcome to the A to Z of sex with me, Dr. Lori Beth. I'm an intimacy coach and psychologist. I created this show to explore the erotic alphabet, to help you learn more about desire and expressing your desires, discover ways to spice up your relationship and create that sizzling relationship you've always wanted. I do this through solid science, real life stories and interviews with an exciting variety of sex experts. Listen in weekly as I share key strategies to help you create your ideal sexual life. Make sure you join us to access even more sexual strategies on my blog, A to Z of Sex, access our monthly newsletter with subscriber-only offers at www.atozofsex.com. That's A-T-O-Z-O-F-S-E-X. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the A to Z of Sex. I'm Dr. Lori Beth, and I am your host. We are working our way through the erotic alphabet one letter at a time. Just a reminder, this podcast deals with adult content. So if you don't have total privacy, you might want to put on your headphones. Today, the letter is U, and U is for Ursus Galmatophilia. Ursus Galmatophilia is primarily a fetish for teddy bears. Yeah, I did say teddy bears. It's also the formal name for a fetish for all plushies or soft stuffed animals and a fetish for dressing up as animals. So it is often used as the formal name for furries. I know many of you may be thinking that teddy bears and sex don't belong in the same sentence. However, more people than you think have teddy bears as part of their sexual lives. For some, the connection is made when they are very young and cuddle a teddy bear while discovering masturbation and self-pleasuring. Remember, self-pleasure begins around the age of two, and one of the main functions of pleasure prior to puberty is to give comfort when upset or frightened. Who better than your best teddy to help with the job? Many young girls learn to masturbate by rubbing against their stuffies or their stuffed animals. Most people don't have a primary fetish for teddy bears, so would not be properly classified as Ursus, agalmatophi- Ursus agalmatophiles. My apologies. The teddy bear may feature in their sexual life, but it isn't actually essential to it. However, there are some people for whom this is a central focus for their sexual activity. In 2010, Charles Marshall was arrested for having sex with a teddy bear in public for the fourth time. It was unclear if exhibitionism was part of his thrill as he did engage in these acts in public. I don't know, one was in a public restroom and another was in, a, in an alleyway in a park. For some, the teddy bear or other stuffed animal is part of getting in touch with their inner child and becomes a part of age play. Age play is often a controversial fetish as there are extremely strong taboos around childhood sexuality and any form of incest. In age play, a person enjoys role play in which they are a younger age. Now, please note that I said role play 
Age play is not when somebody gets involved with, with a person who is underage. Age play is about role-playing a younger character. Age play often divides into four categories. Adult baby, which covers to toddler. Little, which is up to about the age of nine or so. Middle from about nine to 12, and then teen. Many littles and middles and some teens enjoy stuffed animals, and sometimes these become a part of their sexual play. For more on littles, listen out for A is for Age Play at the beginning of our third series of this podcast. A more common form of this fetish is people who are sexually aroused by dressing up as animals or by fictional furry characters. Now, these fictional characters are usually anthropomorphic. Anthropomorphic means that the animals act in very many human ways. So, for example, um, they are standing on two legs and walking. They're speaking um, English or Japanese, for that matter. These folks are more commonly known as furries. Some see themselves as part of a furry fandom, and others as a furry lifestyle. These people often dress up as fictional characters like Bugs Bunny, for example, and role play is an integral part of their interaction. Many have favorite animals like bears, wolves, or puppies and dress in full costumes role-playing the animal. Lifestylers profess a deep emotional and spiritual connection with the animal that they dress or role play as. Animals can be real, fictional, or symbolic. For example, dragons and unicorns are incredibly popular. Sexual activities that can be found in part of this lifestyle often include the creation of erotica, so writing erotic stories but actually drawing erotic cartoons and furry-themed cyber sex. Not all of the community has sexual interest in the, in the furries that they role play. In 2011, a survey was done with nigh on 7,000 participants. Of the 7,000, they categorized 4,338 of the respondents as furries. Now, if you're not familiar with doing research yourself, 7,000 participants for a single piece of research is a huge number and allows for much more strength in the inferences that you would draw as a result of the research when you analyze each of the questions. There were 170 questions in this study. Interestingly, the average age of the furries in the study was 23. 54% um, of the participants were between 18 and 21 years old. The survey had respondents from all over the world. The vast majority of the respondents were biologically male. That's 84%. Only a small percentage of the people who were in the study actually felt that they were not 100% human. And one-third of the respondents said that sexual attraction is actually an essential part of their furry 
activities. So as I said before, furries are usually anthropomorphized animals. So they act in ways that are human. Inclusion and belonging are central themes for lots of the people who identify as part of this kind of furry lifestyle. Some furries are also plushies, sexually attracted to stuffed animals, and others are not. Many find scritching, which is what they call grooming each other, and fur piles where they're all lying on top of each other affectionately rather than sexually, the most satisfying activities. It seems that many furs resemble the animals they identify with. Um, and one of the things that was pointed out, not only in the study, but in um, all of the articles that I used for additional research for this podcast, was that beards and facial hair are incredibly common. There are many who are very clear that being a furry is about their identity and not actually about sex. There are groups that are fans of various animated characters like Tony the Tiger or Bugs Bunny, Mickey Mouse, and the fandom has often been compared to Star Trek fans. They are fans of stories and media that include anthropomorphic animals. And as I said before, there are many more biological males, although interestingly enough, from that large piece of research, the community is actually seven times more likely than the general population to identify as transgender. It's said in some circles that the community is an extremely welcome community and an inclusive one. However, in the last few years, there have been outlier groups who identify as alt-right and promote violence and fascism. The leader of the main group, the Raiders, gave himself the hashtag this year, hashtag alt-furry. There have been quite a few who have identified and proclaimed themselves to be Nazis as well. Then there are other people who tap into real animal energies as opposed to the stuffed animal or anthropomorphized animal, animal energies. They include primal players who allow themselves to contact their animal natures when involved in sex and sexual play. Many of these folks are actually part of the BDSM and or kink communities. There's often lots of biting, scratching, and little human speech during this time of sex or play. Um, the sex is described as animalistic and can be incredibly intense. There are also people who have a fetish for sex with actual animals. This is a much smaller group of people and they're called zoophiliacs. That's also called bestiality. Sex with animals is illegal in most jurisdictions, and the primary reason is because animals cannot give consent. This is one of the areas that really um, freaks most people out. The humble teddy bear seems to find his way into far more sexual scenarios than you may have considered in the past. Who knew that he was so naughty? 
Jenny wrote in, I have always slept with the teddy bear. When I was young, I masturbated by pressing my pussy against the bear. I don't do this anymore as I now have far better tools to help me get myself off. But I still find fur real and artificial erotic. Is there something wrong with me? Jenny, there's nothing wrong with you. You've brought this sensual and sexual set of memories with you from your childhood. This is very common. Many fetishes and many preferences are developed from roots in childhood. Your desires cause no one any harm, but your shame around this can cause you to have trouble with orgasm and trouble fully enjoying your sexual life. It may also cause you embarrassment with partners. I would suggest that you spend some time working on releasing that shame and fully accepting all of your sexual feelings. If you find this difficult to do on your own, you may benefit from some coaching sessions. If you want to bring, your, bring some of your appreciation for fur forward into your sexual life, you could consider using fur for a sensual massage or to stroke a partner. And there are quite um, a few gloves that you can find that are made of real fur that can be used in sensual play. If you're interested in kink or BDSM, there are also fur floggers, for example, uh, that are at a, a soft and sensual element to the play. You can wear fur. One of my favorite images is naked under in, in a fur coat where the fur is actually touching the body. And that feels incredibly sensual. Martina wrote in to say, I have always used a stuffed toy for masturbation and I can't seem to get off any other way. Please help. It can be really hard to change the way you masturbate and the way in which you reach orgasm, particularly if it has been in place since childhood. If you want to change this, you can begin to introduce your fingers or a vibrator or a dildo into your self-pleasuring session just before orgasm begins, which may help you begin to move from the stuffed toy to your fingers, the vibrator, or the dildo. So what you would do is start by using your fingers in addition to the toy and slowly move the toy away at the point of orgasm. Now you might need to start at the place where orgasm has really already begun and there's no way you can stop it happening in order to start conditioning or rather reconditioning yourself. Once you can reach orgasm with only your fingers at the end of the self-pleasuring session, so you get yourself really close or you're falling over the end and then you're using just your fingers. You want to introduce your fingers or the vibrator or the dildo a little earlier in the session. Each time you have success, introduce your fingers earlier still until you get to this point where you start the session without a toy. So you're taking the last step. You're starting with the last step, that step which, you know, is just before the amazing pleasure and introducing your fingers there or the dildo, whatever it is you're going to use that isn't a teddy bear. 
And once you're having regular orgasms that way, you move back a little further. And once you are able to have orgasms with your fingers without the teddy bear that way, then you move back a little further until you get to the point where you don't even have to pick up the teddy bear. Now this can take quite a long period of time to do. This kind of reconditioning is not easy. But if you're persistent, you should be able to vary your masturbation routine. Most of the time, people don't bother because they don't want to spend the time trying to vary the routine. And if you are able to reach orgasm with a partner without having the teddy bear, then you, know, you may not want to spend the effort. However, if you can't reach orgasm any other way than pressing against something soft, you might really want to take the time and do the work to recondition yourself. You can get support from a coach. You can go and see a sex therapist. You may be able to help as well. Thanks for joining me this week for the A to Z of sex. Please write to me with suggestions for the show and questions you want answered at drlauribeth at a to z of sex.com. That's D-R-L-O-R-I-B-E-T-H at A-T-O-Z-O-F-S-E-X.com. Do follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook and check out my YouTube channel. On all of those, I'm either Dr. Bisbee or Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee. For a free 30-minute strategy session with me, go to https colon forward slash forward slash A-T-O-Z-O-F-S-E-X dot com forward slash and click the button that says schedule now. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please consider subscribing. If you have enjoyed this podcast, please, please, please leave us a review. I know it can feel awkward to leave a review on a sex podcast, but there's no reason for you to leave your name. You can write it anonymously. And it's really helpful so that other people know how much you're actually getting out of the podcast and that it's a podcast that's worth listening to. If you've got a topic that you're burning to hear covered and even maybe a guest that you think would be great on the show, please write and let me know. I look forward to seeing you next week when the letter will be V and V is for vagina. Thank you so much for listening. Thanks for tuning in. You were just listening to the A to Z of sex. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review here on iTunes and make sure you head over to www.atozofsex.com. That's A-T-O-Z-O-F-S-E-X. To subscribe to my free newsletter to help you keep your sex life sizzling. Stay tuned for upcoming weekly episodes as we work our way through the sexual alphabet to discover the wide world of sex, sexuality, desire, and intimacy. Knowledge gives you the power to create relationships that bring you satisfaction and joy. Hope to see you next week.